Frontier. Vercel is the platform for front-end developers, providing the speed and reliability innovators need to create at the moment of inspiration. Founded by the creators of Next.js, Vercel has zero configuration support for 35-plus front-end frameworks, including SvelteKit. We enable the world's largest brands like Under Armour, eBay, and Nintendo to iterate faster and create quality software. Try out Vercel today to experience the easiest way to use Svelte. Hey, it's another episode of Svelte Radio. We're back. It's we've got the whole crew assembled this time, and we have a guest. So the it's a, it's a full house on Svelte Radio today. Today we have Bert with us from Ashley Furniture Store. I think it's called, right? What up? Hello. Hey, <laughs> and as always, the, hey. the the rest of the crew: Anthony, Sean, Brittany. What have you guys been up to lately? Trying to be as hey, lazy hey. as um, possible. Having having Christmas. <laughs> having Christmas is yeah. Great, so. Christmas, yeah. And we it's have January. We have you're an, still having Christmas. Sort of. January <laughs> or Just, Christmas uh, not, rolls not into New Year's. <laughs> what about you, Bert? How's how's Christmas been for you? Uh, it was super busy. I went to Chicago last week, and then I went to Milwaukee, and then I'm back here at work. So uh, it was pretty eventful. Yeah. So you're based in in Florida, is that right? Yeah. So I'm based yeah. in Tampa, Florida, uh, in uh, Ybor City. It's like the cigar city. It's I, I actually love it here. It's kind of cool. There's like chickens that run across the street and stuff, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> it's it's a pretty crazy place in Tampa, but I, I love it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That sounds so like I, Hawaii. Hawaii has chickens everywhere. Yeah. My my mom visited and she's like, I, I thought I was in Cuba for like a second. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's uh the the only thing I know about Florida other than like that Miami is in Florida is is the infamous Florida man. Oh yeah. What? Just like a meme. Florida I want to become the Florida man programmer. <laughs> Why am I not familiar with this? You have not heard about Florida man? I might know it after I see it, but not it's not coming yeah, no, so to it, mind. So it's, this, uh, so it's this meme, kind of, I guess, where it, all the like crazy shit happens in Florida, and the headlines always starts with, Florida man does X. Oh, okay. So it's just like Florida man. Yeah. Maybe a good pretty, working pretty title cool. for this podcast, Florida Man Uses Felt. That is actually very yeah, good. Like that. that is great. <laughs> yeah. So we were originally going to go with building furniture, but <laughs> but that's, that, that's much better. Florida <laughs> Man <laughs> Uses Svelte. <laughs> that's perfect. It reminds me of those Onion articles, like Area Man, Area Man Does Something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, what I've what I've heard actually the reason that there's so many Florida man headlines one yeah it does Florida does trend, tend to attract some pretty uh, wild characters but also apparently Florida just was one of the earliest to digitize their um, mugshot records yeah. uh, and their arrest records oh. so when it was a slow news day journalists could just go online and look for news articles and usually it'd come from Florida. And usually there'd be something interesting that they could kind of throw up. So yeah, Bert, you're nodding. Do you, do you know yep. about this? Yeah, no, that's, yeah, I know about that. Yeah. And it's also uh, the laws too, is like, it's very open. The arrest records are like total public domain. Anyone can use them. I will say too, though, is like, I, so I moved here from uh, Wisconsin 
And like when I got here, I felt like I was getting like just a tad crazier. <laughs> it's, it's something about it, like always being summer here. There's like no season change at all. And it's just like, you're like, this is a little bit weird. I don't know how to explain it. Does, does that mean you have like a warm Christmas? Um, well, yeah, it was I mean, cold this there. Christmas was, I think yeah, he's lying a little, a little bit. There this Christmas. <laughs> yeah. I mean, this was like the first Christmas where I did have to turn on the heat though. So wow. yeah, it's yeah. usually, it's not like warm or like hot, but it's, it's not cold usually. That's crazy. You have maybe three seasons, it's right? Just, There's like a summer is like just hot and rainy and muggy. Yeah, I, I'd say it's just like hot like and humid and then seasons. not as humid hot. <laughs> not as humid. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's just like humid or very humid. All right. So uh, um, it sounds like I wouldn't really enjoy it in Florida, other other than the the weather, I suppose. But I guess that's part of the humidity. I don't that, know. That I'd is part of the attraction it. of living in Florida, yes. Yeah. Yeah. What All about right, the oranges? So that's a good attraction. Enough about Florida. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, what? Oranges? Florida's or The oranges. It's the orange state. Isn't that like Florida famous for oranges? Yes. Well, yes. Today I learned. I, I, I love that I know about Florida <laughs> man, but not that oranges are apparently... <laughs> All right. <laughs> would, okay. Would you so, also so, want to know that? Uh, okay, never mind. No, no. Go ahead. Go ahead. Or, oranges are responsible for securities laws uh, for anyway. determining whether something or not is a security that originated with oranges in Florida. Oh. So our well, anyway, thanks for coming to the Florida podcast and, and listening. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so are oranges uh, a commodity then, or? or or are it's like Mad Max, we trade in them. An export. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it was commodity, but like, I don't know, the Howie test is, is the, the thing you want to oh, look up. Right. And somehow it's relevant oh, yeah. to NFTs and crypto. So that, that that's, right. it, it's a very strange origin <laughs> when it comes from Florida. Yeah. Well, that's nice. But it reminded me that the Orange Bowl was last weekend in football. And I know no one on this podcast probably cares about football, but it was the Orange Bowl in Miami, Florida. And there were two orange teams playing in the Orange Bowl. So it was the orangest Orange Bowl of all time. <laughs> so I actually have orange people. a fun fact about me, like that's akin to football. If you, if you guys don't mind me sharing. <laughs> Absolutely. Go ahead. Go ahead. So I'm from uh, Green Bay, Wisconsin. I'll, I'll, I'll just go in my intro. I'm Bert. I'm a lead developer at Ashley Furniture, and I'm from Green Bay, Wisconsin. And um, my grandfather was actually the defensive coordinator in the first Super Bowl. And oh so, my gosh. like, I'm kind of like Wisconsin royalty in that way. Like, I'm that's a big I, deal. My brother has like, yeah, like my family has like all this like memorabilia from the Super Bowl. Stuff like that. And it, it was funny. My mom was like moving to uh, Florida. She like moved like a few weeks ago. She's like, oh, do you want this like signed Bart Starr jersey? Oh, do you want like this sign? I was just like, <laughs> we got so much of it. But yeah, it's, uh, that's kind of like I my family's legacy. That name. It's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. Was that a, was, uh, the Phil Packers? Bankson. Were they in the? Yep. Yep. Was wow. the Packers? Yeah. That's cool. Yep. I, I wish so, I knew more about American football. It's it, it was funny when I was in Svelte Summit, me and Penguin, when we were on the train back, we were talking about soccer and like the difference between like football and soccer. It was pretty fun. Yeah. Here we I was would call say, I don't know the difference. I, I don't know. Yeah. 
I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm glad that Kev said American football because I don't understand. Well, I don't understand any football or soccer or anything. But yeah, but yeah I was going to say football <laughs> is is a totally different thing. <laughs> thing so here. that was like my middle school. Is it similar fun to rugby? Whenever they like had you stand up. Yeah, it's pretty close. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Assuming that rugby is what we think is rugby, I feel like American football is more akin to rugby. And then you don't want to bring in okay. Australian football. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Aussie rules, yeah. right? Aussie rules. Yeah. Canadian football, too, right? What is happening? Is this a football Florida? <laughs> <It is> football. <laughs> no. We have just diverged. Yeah, so I don't have enough, maybe. I don't have a good enough name for all the things on this podcast right now. Like a grouping name. Maybe, maybe we should uh, it's actually Florida, talk man. about... Svelte, you know? So, Maybe. Bert, you're, you're a Svelte man. I am a Svelte man. I'm a Florida Svelte man. <laughs> yeah. um, so, so what's your story? So basically, when I uh, went to college in Wisconsin, I got a degree in computer science, and then I was just kind of like, I need to get out of Wisconsin. I want to get somewhere hotter. <laughs> and I uh, moved to Florida. And yeah, I just started working like, I originally wanted to be a video game developer, and then when I was in college, I took like a graphic design course that made you make a website, and I got like super into it. And then my first job out of college was as as a web dev. I was working at like some small logistics company, and I um, I like somehow I made my career off of converting old stacks to new stacks. So my first job, I converted their entire like website to uh, like a view like SPA like SPA. And after that was all done, I learned a lot. Well, I thought I learned a lot. And um, like one of my friends here was like, hey, you should come to Ashley Furniture. I think you'd be good at it. We're doing like a really similar project. And like, to me, I'm like, this is cool. Like now I've like learned all my mistakes. I can come over and yep. like, I'm gonna make no mistakes this time. <laughs> <laughs> That's usually how it goes, right? <laughs> and I, I've honestly like this project of working on Ashley is it's been awesome. Like I've learned so much because it's so cool to get an opportunity like that where you're like, all right, now I can do it right. And then you learn even more. So when I kind of got in, uh, I like, you know, I wasn't really in charge of this project they were doing. So I kind of had like proved myself kind of like get going with it. And so one of the mistakes I knew for my first time converting over is like when you do a migration, like a lot of newer devs who are new to that kind of like job or doing that, they'll, um, they'll be like, all right, new thing. Like, I want this new technology, this new technology, this new technology, this new technology, and I'll automatically fix everything, right? Like, it's not even like I've developed because I'm using this new technology. But like, what you find is like, yeah. It's like, what you find is like, you have to teach everyone that. And like, there's a lot of that going on. But I, I'll I'll admit, I was kind of a svelte hater at first. I was looking at svelte really. yeah. So what what was the what was what were you into before before Svelte? I loved Vue. I really did love Vue. And so So was that would be Vue 2, right? Yeah, yeah, Vue 2. And I did not yeah, the whole Vue 3 thing was kind of uh, annoying. Before you got the compilation API, is that what came in yeah. V3? Well, yeah, the V3 Vue thing was kind of annoying cuz especially doing a project like that, I just taught my whole team Vue 2, right? I took a lot of risk doing that and then all of a sudden, you're like, no, forget all that. <laughs> the API right. changed. I kind of get the view. Yeah, I kind of get the view thing, the view to Svelte thing, because when I when I saw the plans for, for Svelte three, I was like, whoa, hang on, I, I I like the kind of object export thing, and that's pretty neat and encapsulated. Yeah. But 
And I'll say that. So I like got in. It's like, you're just like, why are you guys using this new framework? Right? Like you don't have all this stuff. Like, you know, use reactor view. Like I kind of went to that like default thing, but then I started seeing my team use felt and I started using it. I was like, this is sick. <laughs> like this is the stuff you can do is insane. Like it was super yeah. easy. And it's like, I had a team of mostly junior developers and they were doing stuff that like would take like two years of react experience, you know? Sheesh. And so I was like, all right, we're keeping that. <laughs> so that's, that's how I kind of got into Svelte. And I still really love Svelte. It's super cool. People probably heard me talk about that a lot. It's probably what this podcast is about, but yeah, that's my Svelte story. Yep. That, that's pretty, pretty. Thanks neat. Florida man. <laughs> <laughs> so, so what, what I, I don't even know what Ashley Furniture does. What, what is Ashley? Like, they, so, is it a, an e-commerce thing or? So Ashley it's Furniture. Ikea in America. The, <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> so like our fun fact is we're the world's largest manufacturer of furniture. So basically how this project came about is like we're a furniture manufacturer first and kind of our e-commerce side of our business was kind of like, you know, it was kind of like a side project. But then when COVID happened, like a lot of businesses, they're like, oh, wow, this e-commerce side's pretty good. Let's invest a lot in that side. And that's why like our project of like kind of revitalizing the whole e-commerce side is kind of a, uh, it's kind of our main thing now. So, so hang on, they're, they're bigger than Ikea. Yes. I, I'm wow. pretty sure. Yeah. They're a pretty big furniture company. That's impressive. And, and that's without e-commerce, they're bigger than Ikea. Sorry, Kev. I know this is hurts. I know this hurts you to the core, Kev, but we got to go there. I mean, well, uh, yeah, yeah, I was so scared when sure. I was in Sweden, I'd get everywhere. like mugged or something. <laughs> you, you would, you would probably just gonna, like, like if, you. <laughs> like if, if you asked a random person here, if they knew what Ashley furniture is, like they, they would just stare with you. Like, yeah, it's not that big in Europe. It's pretty big in America yeah. and Asia. Yeah. It's, it's unknown in the UK. Like no one's ever yep. mentioned it or said it or anything. That's crazy. The whole it's interesting though, like <laughs> that they that they're big in in the US and and Asia, but not in Europe. You you'd think they'd try to to expand to Europe, but yeah, I think we are. I, I don't know. I can't really speak for a higher level business plan. So right. I'm just on right. the website. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But this is an interesting thing though, because uh -huh. IKEA is probably a competitor. They also use felt. Yep. So or like furniture stores like just <laughs> jumping on this felt train uh, yeah i, we, I don't know what's up <laughs> we're taking over yeah, industry by industry the, right we're going that's from data to this to, to furniture that's the that's the path yeah <laughs> so this is like one thing i kind of learned at this job too is like if you uh, like look at a lot of furniture sites too it's like a lot of them like the e-commerce like offerings not that good too and that's why we've been kind of like hammering on it because it's I mean, that's why I kind of like this job is like, this is a huge opportunity to like make like a really cool website that not a lot of people have done before. Yep. So that's a question that I have. Are you using Svelte or Svelte Kit and how are you building these websites? How are you rendering them? What kind? Cause you said you first did a view spa website. Mm -hmm. So how are you using Svelte yep. for Ashley? That that's a very good question. I'll say very complicatedly. <laughs> so <laughs> basically, how the project kind of started is we were going to do like a full conversion of the site. And that's another mistake I'd call out anytime you do those projects, never do that. Like always just kind of like divide and conquer ship a thesis like approach. So we kind of like 
a few months ago, we we're kind of like, oh, like, let's step back and let's kind of take it piece by piece. So it's it's a lot of moving parts. So right now, if you go to like the Ashley Furniture homepage, it's actually all Svelte. Where I built like a Vite config that builds everything to web components, right? So that was kind of our way because the code base is kind of a mess right now. There's a lot of things. That is kind of our way of like getting some Svelte in there and like not having it affect anything else, not having it affect things in it. We're also like working on like Svelte Kit instances where our CDN on like certain links will point to a Svelte Kit server. And that's kind of how we're tackling it now. I also, in our vconfig, we had it so you could have like client-side routing for things like dialogues, like modals and like tooltips, stuff like that. And that's, that's like, crazy. that's like in my experience, like how you hit this is like, you want to like move to a new stack. It's just like, just take like one little thing and just divide and conquer and take every little piece. And it's like, soon enough you'll just find it like, oh, we can just replace the whole thing. <laughs> Yeah. So do you have a micro front ends or a micro sites approach? It sounds like micro sites. Yes, micro sites. And I, I will admit that Where might be an offensive thought. <laughs> <laughs> I, I am a micro front ends hater. <laughs> well, I, Ooh, I think more. there are a lot of those out there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it can get convoluted. But when you said web components, so your homepage is just one page that's using web components and you're compiling the Svelte yep. to the web components. Yep. It's uh it's Sorry, it's pretty complicated mind. actually. <laughs> yeah, I I would say it's it's not an ideal state right now, right? And that's when you're doing these kind of conversions, I always say you shouldn't have like an in-between state that's terrible, that's unworkable cuz sometimes you might just end up with that, but even now it's just kind of it's not ideal, but like we're getting there and it's, I mean, we have like a new footer in there that's completely svelte, like all the homepage ads are svelte and it's it's uh pretty cool and it's just we're still working on there, still have improvement. We're still like teaching the team, but it's it's cool stuff. And it's kind of, we're, we kind of hit that point where it's like, you know, when you get there, it's like, all right, I have to build the, the V config, right? That builds out. I have to test that. I have to get that in there, right? And then finally we have Svelte in. Like now we finally hit that point where it's like, we're getting Svelte like in there just constantly and just hammering it out. It's exciting. Mm -hmm. must, be, must be nice to like convert stuff. So I guess that happens a lot. You like you convert bit by bit, and then yeah. ship it. Like, well, can you can can you see like a, a market improvement in like lines of code, like the complexity of everything? Yes. Oh yes. Oh yeah. yes. Yes. So like the site now is <laughs> like most of the stack is like jQuery. Too. Yeah, okay. it's a jQuery. It's oh it's, yeah, <laughs> it's pretty bad. So so just going back to what you said about. Micro front ends versus micro uh, sites, micro front ends. I understand that there's different views on what a micro front end is, and actually, one of yep. them, which is the one that we use, is a lot like micro sites because it's just multiple apps that join yeah. together, kind of thing. And to me, I would argue that's true micro front end is like a micro site because I always kind of put it like this is like you know, a microservice is an API that serves up like JSON or data, right? It doesn't serve up parts of that data. I mean, sometimes it does, but like, you know, like you get like a full JSON file, right? And like an HTML server serves a whole HTML file, not like a half of one, stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. So, so yeah, so essentially like it's, because you can also do like where you render like one unit of this site, one sidebar renders from one entire service. And I think that that, 
in theory sounds nice and isolated, but actually sounds like a nightmare to actually make. That's what we did at Granger. And so that was like our debate when I got here too. We had like our shell in Svelte and Svelte kit. And then we had like, there would be a React component in certain parts. Then there would be like jQuery, Hybris, like stuff on the page still. And it was very convoluted and hard to deal with. Yeah, that so at my job when we first got when I first got in, it was like a huge debate on whether we should do micro front ends or microsites or just like a one monolith felt kit. And I actually wrote up like a pretty cool like compiler that was like an API that would like compile your Svelte component for SSR, would SSR it, and then it'd give you like the manifest so you could have like the hydration bundle for it. And it's like all those kind of things, like you do it, you're like, okay, that's that's pretty cool. That's like a cool little test, but it's like, I do not want to put that in production. Like that needs so much more work. <laughs> and I was kind of telling the guys that, I'm like, just think about Kit. That's taken a lot of work to get out there, right? What we're doing is pretty similar to that. And to get to that level, we're going to do need to do a similar amount of work. Right. So I wanted to go back. Yeah, I mean, so you mentioned Sorry. No, go ahead, Anthony. I was kind of just going to agree, basically saying, yeah, it takes a lot of effort. And I think that the DX is actually pretty important. Obviously, the user's experience yep. is really important, but the DX is actually equally as valuable. But as the developer... I mean, that's... To work on, you can't deliver. That's always like one of my developer... Th- it's like one of my, like, you know, developer tips thing. I always say, never write your own framework unless it's open source. <laughs> like, if you're going to write a framework, <laughs> yeah. make it open source. Because at my first job, I kind of accidentally did that. I wrote, like, an insane Webpack config to do all this weird compiling. And what happened was no one understood it. No one helped me out with it. And basically all my job was just maintaining that one thing. And I hated it. <laughs> it was terrible. It's good. It's a lesson. It's a lesson that you learn. You learn once, right? <laughs> yep. Leave it to someone else. Yeah. <laughs> or at least be like being a group that helps and works on it. You know? Yeah. 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 So, I've always said that the developer experience leads to better user experience too. So if you have a better developer experience, I think that it can help create those better user experiences. It gives you more time to focus on that. Yeah, that's probably yep. probably very true. Yeah, like you, you can yeah, actually and they get, like they get focus features on. Yeah. 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 No, I'm I'm huge on the DX thing too because that's I mean yeah it's I think what a lot of devs kind of forget is when they're doing stuff like that it's they're kind of like oh like everyone will understand this like immediately. Like, I, so I learned my first job, I made that whole framework. I was like, it's so easy. You can have view, it's going to be, and then we just basically went back to coding the same stuff we were before, but in a flavor of view. And mm-hmm. I kind of just sat there. I was like, wow, I should have just made this way easier to understand. And then people could focus on, you know, the important things like code quality, stuff like that. They're too busy on getting it set up, dealing with like certain problems. So yeah, that's, I, I'm huge on DX and yeah. <laughs> yeah, it kind of feels like everyone in this felt community is is very like really really p- trying to push DX yep. as a thing. And it's it's because we we've experienced a very nice I, nice yes. framework that we'd like to work with, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we want to push that even further if we can. So you you mentioned earlier uh you did some some kind of routing for for modals and stuff. Yeah. Yeah, so I, I think that's one of those things that is you, you're always almost always going to need those in yep. in a website. So to me, I I think Svelkit should implement a solution for modals that also work server side rendered. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not sure how that would look, 
but it would you be want very Svelte nice. to have a component library? <laughs> no, I I, I, <laughs> I want I want Svelte to handle modal routing. I guess is what I'm saying. So you you can do modal that routing. Ooh, How manually. would you do that? You you can you can do it right layouts. now. It's just like yeah, you have to use a, a bunch of layouts and like what's it called like the spread parameter thing. Mm -hmm. Like it Pass it on. gets very hairy very quickly, especially if you have to juggle multiple modals. Like if you have one modal and then that opens another modal or or whatever. Yeah. So that that's one of those things that I think could be a lot better in general in in web dev probably. Because I, yeah. I don't I don't think there are it's, actually frameworks that handle it properly. I think it's one of those major bugbears for me that I don't like modals as a whole. I find them to be generally a bad experience, especially when you've got an mm -hmm. SPA, because you can change pages faster, you can fire up a modal. There's not really any point. They they feel like a hangover from server rendered apps where you need to load a new view without actually changing page. Yep. Um having said that, sometimes they do provide a good experience, such as Login where you don't want the user to feel like they've left the page and they just see this this box where they log in and then everything's all authenticated. But the thing that I find interesting about that is that the web now has its own native component for modals, which doesn't solve any of the problems with making modals anyway, but it, it, at least it's native and it means that it works server-side and it also means that, at least I think it works server-side, but it essentially means that you can render it, you can skin it however you want, and you can have this real, like a real modal component, which is what we use now. Yeah. But routing, I hadn't thought about because I don't tend to use it for routing. But it's an interesting one, yeah. Yeah, I, I implemented like a very, very bare bones thing for for like the the starter kit that I was working on a while back, and it's it's just like gets very messy, and it's something that you'd want built in yeah. into the framework to to make the the server side component work properly, I guess. So, I think I it's know. a cool idea. I actually I agree with you, Kev. I also agree with Anthony. Like, I really like think it'd be cool if you could route it. But like my whole thing is, is like if a modal is more than a yes and a no and like a little brief text, like you, you need a page, not a modal. I think yeah. nowadays if like CSR and stuff like that, like it's so quick, like you don't need a modal anymore. It's just, just go to the page. Like yeah. I had the same thing. Uh, I actually, we had like a little quick view modal to like show the product page from the like product. I'm, I'm saying a bunch of industry terms, sorry, like the PLP. So like a product <laughs> listing page. And it was like a little quick view, it'd bring up that same thing as a PDP. And I was like, just when they click it, take them to PDP, it's actually quicker. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. especially as felt kit. Yeah. Yeah, it's I mean, also I, tough I, because we use file system routing. Yeah, so so that's okay. probably why it, why it is kind of rough to make it work as <laughs> on the server, if that makes sense. Yeah. So uh, yeah, I, I kind of agree with you as well. Like you, you wouldn't want to put like massive functionality in, in a modal, but it's nice for like quickly yeah. entering new data or whatever. I don't know. I'm trying but, to think of like what a good use case for a modal is, like a confirmation box or uh, like. I, yeah, I, I mean, can't you, think of a good one anymore. The only one, the only one I like is login. That's the only one I like because it is sometimes good when a user is browsing your site anonymously mm -hmm. and they want to switch to be authenticated in their account and stuff. But you, you need to be logged in. You don't want to really change the page and say you've lost your like you're not yeah. going to lose their context, but it might feel like they've lost their context. Yes. Yeah, yeah. So, so it's 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 any time you don't want the user to lose the context of where they are mm -hmm. or the state mm -hmm. of where they are. I guess so. Maybe you're in, I don't know. Like maybe you want to enter a new product into a, a list or something, and well, you have a bunch of other getting, things open. I don't know. 
one of the things I always get concerned about in modals too is like accessibility. You know, like how do I tell the user we're gonna put sign in front of them? And it, it seems pretty straightforward, but like I've done them before. It's like the ARIA rules for them are not straightforward at all. And there's like a ton of different semantic tags and stuff. And I always go like, what's like, well, like what do they recommend here? Because yeah. I, I made a modal the other day and I thought you do like the ARIA has pop-up, but apparently it didn't for this one. And I was like, okay, but why? It's, it's very know, it's, That's why I always get concerned about, yeah. It's one of the hardest like ones to get right. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of foot guns. Whenever probably. this topic comes up, I uh, I always share it just from Ryan Florence. He wrote this, I think, seven years ago on why modals are hard. And so if, if anyone's interested in routing and modals, uh, check out the show notes. I'm, I'm definitely going to check that out. Ryan Florence <laughs> is the creator of React Router and now Remix. Yeah. And, and big into accessibility, but yeah. yeah, I don't, I don't think it's not just ARIA labels because that's mostly for screen reader stuff. Yeah. Uh, but apparently also like focus trapping. And, yep. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I always God mess that up. Else. Yeah. Cause I know you're supposed to like, when you open a modal, you're supposed to like focus like the first like interactable element on it. I'm pretty sure. Correct me if I'm wrong. And yeah. I always mess that up. Uh, and yeah. then also when you close the modal, it needs to go back to where you started. <laughs> yeah, to the, to the previous one. So you need some kind of like focus trap uh, history store of some and kind that just like sets the correct. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Where I mostly mess up too is you're not supposed to be able to focus the things behind it. <laughs> it's right. Like, uh, it's hard. Yeah. Front end is. is I think there have been a new, there have been new uh, developments in the web platform where you can just kind of declare that it's a modal and then it prevents everything else from being uh, focused on while the modal oh, is active. That's nice. Is that the dialogue element? Dialogue element. That's what mm, it is. Yeah. yeah. Yes. So yeah, I, cool. you know, the I've, native dialogue component or element, yeah. HTML yeah. element. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. that's what I was talking about before yeah. when I was saying you could wrap something, you can, you can wrap the dialogue element and it basically replaces all, all needs to have any sort of modal library. Um, but it has that flag like attribute thing where you can set it to be an actual modal and it'll block out the background and stuff. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I clearly haven't used it, but I've read about it. <laughs> yeah. It's like weird. It, I've like seen it. I tried to use it and it just, I don't know, maybe it just didn't go my way. I know the documentation's just not that up to date for it yet either. Yeah. If you, if you inquire on the Bionk site that uses our modal, which is, which is a dialogue element, it works pretty well. It's it's also a pretty new feature as well. Like the, I think it only recently got a. What's very the support like? Yeah, on I think it? it. I think it recently got like a f full support. Did it? Um, it's but, yeah, it's green across the board. Yeah. Okay. Good. Yeah. But then there are like features of the dialogue element as well that I'm not entirely sure if it's. No, it looks like it's all supported now. That's nice. Before we continue with the episode. Here's a word from our sponsor, Vercel. Vercel is the platform for front-end developers, providing the speed and reliability innovators need to create at the moment of inspiration. Founded by the creators of Next.js, Vercel has zero configuration support for 35-plus front-end frameworks, including SvelteKit. We enable the world's largest brands like Under Armour, eBay, and Nintendo to iterate faster and create quality software. Try out Vercel today to experience the easiest way to use Svelte. 
Well, I always mess up too when you have like a nav bar, when you have like a menu and it opens to the right. Like, I always go like, do I make that a dialogue? Is that technically a modal? Because it's in front, right? And it, if you hit the right. side, it closes. Yeah. It's like a lot of situations like that. It's, it's almost like uh, everything is getting shoehorned into the web platform that was just mm -hmm. originally made to, to display text and maybe a few images. <laughs> kind of funny. I mean, I think that's a good thing. <laughs> I will say that once you get working, it's so satisfying. Like we were working on like a mattress quiz at Ashley and I have it as like, you like step through it and each one focuses like the first element and it like goes through and then you can add the answers that like it's oof. And that's, I mean, that's one of the things I like about Svelkit, like doing stuff like that is so easy. Yeah, it's very, very satisfying when you get things like autofocus and multi-step forums and all that cool jazz wired up correctly. If you're interested in like those components too and things that are using native HTML elements and being accessible, OpenUI is a project that's like creating like open source components that can be used across the web and they have a dialogue also. Oh yeah, nice. So I mean, I'm going to recommend, I always love the accessibility guidelines. They have like brand new ones and I like how they kind of switch it up from like a more legal kind of like, here's what it needs to like a recipe book where it's like, here's how you make an accessible modal. Here's how you make an accessible tabs component. I've been using that and that's been pretty helpful for me in my accessibility learning journey. So is, is that the accessibilityproject.com? Yeah, I think it's here. I'll, I'll look it up real quick. No stress. Um, let's see, let's see. Yeah, so this turned into a discussion about modals and accessibility, which is always fun. Oh, I was like going to dive in when he started talking about the different things on the site and all the components. I'm like, do we have a design system? Can we like expand on like how you're doing? <laughs> I could just talk about this for hours. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I remember one of the, Brittany, one of the podcasts I was listening to, you talk about Svelte with Storybook. And I was sitting there in my car listening to it. I'm like, yeah, <laughs> I know the problems of that. Yeah. It's, yeah. They're getting more support, it's, but it's, it's all community uh, driven. So. Yeah. It's Apparently, gotten a lot better. Uh, yeah. Storybook uh, is doing some kind of refactor. So they're, they uh, actually are adopting Vite, which was the main holdup, I think. Uh, yep. Because I didn't want to retain two different configurations. I don't think it's done yet. Yeah, I think it has Vite support. Storybook under the hood will still use Webpack as far as I understood it, but you will only have one config in your project. That sounds wild from an implementation. So when I was doing that stream, it was like Storybook would use Webpack and you would have to configure your Vite config to work with Webpack and go into the webpack config and configure v it was like this inception of config and it was not yeah no not thanks fun. yeah <laughs> and i mean i i had the same thing i know the v builder is a little bit better now and actually like builds your svelte components using v but we had problems where it's like we a component would work in webpack but not in v and like vice versa and that that caused like a ton of problems yeah, Sounds I started right. using Beatbook for a while, and it's really good, but it's unfortunately abandoned now. Yeah. Yeah, but there are a bunch of different projects, right? Uh, you have Histoire is another one, I think. And then there, there's, um, is, is that Scott Tolinsky's one? Beatbook. Oh, Bookit. Bookit, but it's Bookit. Yeah. <laughs> I, I can never say it right because it's <laughs> spelt with the capital K. 
book it. Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> I always thought it was book yeah, it. Yeah, we just need to standardize. It is book it, but things. it's just spelled uh, book it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> the last I looked yeah. at book it, it wasn't documented yet, but um, he's he hasn't released it fully. So, it's uh, you know, it's I think a, a lot of things he builds are internal for his site and then he gets done with what he needs to do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I, I, I yeah. tried using Histoire and that seems pretty nice. Uh, it's It's got V, uh, sorry, view and Svelte support. And I think Storybook is seeing the light a little bit with the V, like you said, that they're trying to implement that as yeah. more of a native thing. But it I, being I'm, community driven, that's a really small team that works there. I think they only have like 40 to 50 yep. people at Storybook. I'm pretty sure the newest version, like the next major version, is going to have like first class support for V2. Like, so I don't know. I've tried it a little bit and it seemed a lot better. But uh, we'll see once it gets to like, you know, like a stable release. Yeah. So Bert, you're famous for your talks, your Svelte Summit talks. That's how you, <laughs> how you showed up on my radar at least. Um, your your first talk at Svelte Summit was it? Uh, oh, it's not last year. It's like spring of last was year. Was it spring? Oh, oh yeah. You did talks for both, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that that talk was very interesting. <laughs> you did a. I don't even know how you would describe it. Like it's WWE. So the, yeah, no, no, no. That's the that's the later one, right? Uh, so both ta- of them kind of like you have the rock star like vibe going. <laughs> sure. But you yeah, did the yeah. green screen with the chair cut out. That was the first one, right? Where you yeah, kept yeah. your chair in the green screen, like an '80s yeah. style retro. <laughs> yeah, it's very very entertaining. And it's 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 always fun and exciting to see talks that are done in such a different way compared to to like you. So I'm I'm not like complaining about the regular talks. I like the regular talks as well, but they're mostly the same. It's just like some person explaining a topic, yep. and like showing something. But this one is just like it's just out there, very <laughs> very eye catching and entertaining. So how how did you how did you end up like? coming up with this idea oh so, no and i just want to say like your guys support for i was literally crying after i was done with it because i had no idea how that was gonna go it's like the support from the community on those has been like so cool so like how it came about i always wanted to do a talk at a tech conference i was like always one of my goals and i mean i'm a team lead i was trying to be like a good example so i was like i'm just gonna submit to svelte summit not expecting to get in but this is what you guys should do right and then all of a sudden i got an email like next week like your talk's in. I was like, my heart sank. I was like, oh, crap. <laughs> like, now I need to, like, you know, really work, get this talk done. So now you have to do it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And so one of my, um, in college, I actually like programming. I was like a major in computer science, but like my main passion was like graphic design. And um, I was in like a meme group on campus where we'd just like hang out and make jokes and make funny videos like that. And so for this talk, I was like, oh, it's going to be like serious. This is going to be a serious talk. I did serious. And I was recording it. I was like, this, this just isn't working. Like, this isn't me. This is not how I do things. And I was like, I'm, I'm just going to be myself. Like, I'm going to make it goofy. I'm going to do it how I've always done videos before. And, you know, I'm going to try my best. If they don't like it, that's fine. I was, you know, probably won't have another talk, but like, I'll go for it. And so... Like when my talk was coming up, like the one before, I think it was like penguins. Like 
it was so nice, so well done, like very informative. I'm like, oh my God, like mine is so goofy. <laughs> I, I was like, my heart was like beating. I was like super nervous and it like played and it's like the support, like everyone was like, oh, that was like super cool. I was like, oh, it's like, thank God. Like, and I mean, yeah, yeah that's, that's something I always try to do is like, you know, I give people information, but give it to them in like a fun way, like kind of like a Bill Nye type situation. <laughs> So that was kind of my goal of it. And I mean, I just, it's really cool that like everyone, I just kind of like put myself out there and the whole community was kind of like, that's cool, dude. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, uh, yeah, well, it's very... like Penguin's talk, yours was different. And I think, sorry. <laughs> and I think, no, I think that being different, I think being different is a really good differentiator. I think that making a talk that's, that's very different to other talks is, is a great way to get noticed, is memorable. Um, and it's a bit of fun because everything was really sensible and straight on, then, you know, very formal and well-planned it, it can get a bit kind of like samey so i think it's great it's dry <laughs> and, and i didn't realize it was your first talk it's amazing you had that entertainment value and keep the educational part but like an entertainer too i think a lot of people could probably learn from both of both of your talks uh and i remember in in the discord after so this was the the spring talk the the chair and the and the green screen one like i i remember you said that it took you a very long time to make the edits work, even yeah. though it, so for those who's just listening, I urge you to go watch the talks during the show notes, but like the, the to give a recap, it's kind of like made in this eighties and it kind of looks like it's badly done, but it's not done badly. If, if that makes sense, if, if you get my, <laughs> what, what it I'm was after. intentional badness. Yes. Yeah, exactly. So it's like, you must have spent so much time like making the edits like so yeah. i i always get over ambitious too so like whenever i'm like talking about like especially like a tech thing is like i gotta use what i'm talking about if i think it's so great so like all my talks like all the slides are done in like svelte kit stuff like that like all the edits were done in svelte kit and that's what took like oh. a majority of time like in my first talk there's that one where like all of the like all of the frameworks and stuff are like spinning around me Getting yep. that to work took so long, and it like only worked on Firefox. So I had to like open Firefox, like set it oh up on the green screen, and then take it. I I didn't realize you you'd done it in like everything in SvelteKit, like even the. I thought it was just edited, like to yeah. Like so I, I all the backgrounds were in SvelteKit, right? And so I would like record my screen, and I'd record me, and then I'd like put the SvelteKit instance on the background in Adobe. Yep. So it was a little bit edited, but like all of like the graphics were Svelte. Yep. Huh. That is. I think everybody who does a talk on Svelte writes their own framework. <laughs> every, every single person. Yeah, it kind of seems like it. <laughs> and I mean, Svelte Kit was like awesome for it because literally I just had it like click, like route to next page, click route to next page. Like it's it's pretty nice. It worked pretty well for it. Yeah, well. So there you, you go. use the file system based router as like a slideshow where you clicked through to the next route, basically. Yeah, and uh, I mean, I have it on my GitHub if people want to check it out. If uh, BirdieBot is my uh, GitHub name, <laughs> BirdieBot. Oh, amazing. <laughs> BirdieBot. Bur I can't spell. Bur bur <laughs> And I love how uh, your second talk you called out like some of your worst felt code you've ever written. It, it was just so great to and, see like some of the mistakes, like things you should never do. <laughs> yeah. 
Well, to me, that's like always how I've learned. I'm definitely like a learn from your mistakes kind of person. And like, especially in felt like what I'll do too, when I'm learning is like, I think I showed the one where I was, uh, I was trying to get like web component styling to working and I'll be like, wow, this is like a bad practice, but let me see how far I can go down into this rabbit hole and just push the button on it and like how bad of code I can make and see if it still works. And usually you learn like a lot about the framework that way. Like you learn how little things like little intricacies work. So that was kind of why I did that talk too. I wanted to like show people, it was like, here's some like quirky things you can do. And it kind of lets you know a little bit about what's happening behind the scenes. It's, that's actually not something I've ever done, like intentionally try to write bad code. Kind of sounds like definitely like a learning experience. Yeah. All right. You, you did, you did like a, a small feature for the Svelte, SvelteKit create CLI, right? So Yeah. So um, one of my goals for last year is I want to, I'm a contributor on Svelte because I've been updating the docs. <laughs> so anytime there's a deadline, I'd update it. But I always wanted to be a contributor on SvelteKit and I wanted like an actual feature, you know, that I wrote that was like actual code. So me and my coworker, I'll shout out my coworker, Obi, uh, we got really into uh, Vitesse. It's, if you haven't used it with Svelte, use it, it's awesome. I love Vitesse so much. And it's funny as we were building it, there wasn't many docs for it. And so we were like, updating like the Svelte testing library docs, you're updating all these other docs. And I noticed in the SvelteKit discussion board, there was like, a lot of people are like, how do you get VTest to work with SvelteKit? And I was kind of in there, I was like checking it. I'm like, this would be a good thing for the Svelte Creative. You could just add VTest to it automatically. I've worked with those kind of scripts before. It doesn't seem that hard. And I also want to sh- shout out uh, Davey Pond. He's on GitHub. He also did like a ton of work. If you see him on Twitter, he does really cool stuff with VTest. So I was like, all right, I like went to the Svelte Create, like got the repo. And I just had a thing where it's when you create a new project, you'd say, hey, do I want VTest? Yes, add it. And you'll have a new Svelte Kit project with VTest. And I also watched out Ben McCann because he also made that PR like 10 times cooler by adding a test for the Wordle game which I thought oh. was like super sick. <laughs> like oh, I thought nice. that was really cool. Yeah. Ben McCann is the goat. He like, yeah. is everywhere. Yeah. And I, I, think- I, I was, I was kind of like, Oh, it seems like this like a dumb, stupid feature. Like, you know, some people might like it. It was not that much code. It wasn't really that intricate, but I put it on, I just put it on Twitter. Like, Hey, I'm finally a Svelte kit contributor. And like a lot of people were <laughs> like, Oh, like, thanks. Like, you know, thanks a ton. And it felt awesome. It was really cool. <laughs> Yeah, more people should should contribute in general, I think. I feel like the CLI is one of the greatest features of Svelte, too, and being able to get those things out of the box and have a recommended tool that is good for that out of the box is really mm-hmm. nice. Yeah, because you know, you know you're going to need, like, a bunch of this stuff. Um, yeah, and I, I'll say, like, I so I come from the C-sharp world a lot, too, and, like, unit testing in C-sharp is, like, awesome. There's, like, a ton of cool features, cool stuff. Like, I love unit testing, but I'm, I'm more of a front-end dev now, and I do a lot of JavaScript, and I've always been, like, the unit testing just sucks. It's terrible. It's, like, it's really hard to work with. It's a lot more, like, to me, unit test should just be easy, right? So you don't have to think about them. Just make them. It works. And I never really like Jest, especially with Svelte. Like, I converted HiGraph's um, rich text render from React to Svelte, and I was using the Jest test for it, and it was just randomly breaking at points. I'm um, like, you can't have a good unit test if it randomly breaks, doesn't work. 
And so I went to V-Test and it's, it's one of those things that's so cool. It's just like plug, you plug it in and it like works and it just literally automatically makes your code like 10 times better. What does it do differently? So I'd say like the big thing with like Svelte is like, you just need to build a V. I always think you should build a V and V-Test is just kind of like Jest, but with V. So it's a lot quicker. I'll also say I like, like the config for it is a lot simpler than Jest. Use ESM modules too, which makes things a lot easier. Mm-hmm. I know Jest has ESM modules, but it's like some experimental. And again, like it just randomly broke. And to me, it's like a unit testing framework is completely, like you can't even use it if it'll randomly break on one test that's not a real break, you know? Then you can never trust your code. And so like, I, I'd say like, one of my big things is like the technologies I love in the front end are ones that just work. And like VTest, V and like Svelte, like those are like those three, like you can just, and PMPM too, like you can just plug those in and they just work like straight out. Like, and it just literally makes your dev experience like 10 times better. Agreed. PMPM is great. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I always put this joke on Twitter. It's like, I'm a simple man. I see a project in MPM. I, uh, I migrate to PMPM. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. <laughs> All right, cool. So um, I thought we could, uh, so there was recently, um, so for, for the other host, like any other questions for Bert before we move on? There's a, there's another topic that I wanted to discuss a bit as well. Uh, no, I just re- recommend uh, watching the talks. I thought they were really well done. So uh, good job leading by example there. <laughs> Uh, and right. I, I've actually, I've actually said that I think Bert uh, is just, you know, uh, I don't think he talks about it much, but you also have a prior history of being a gamer, right? Like a competitive gamer. Oh yeah, I kind of tell that story about Svelte Summit is like I was super nervous going into it because I'm like I'm used to video game tournaments. I used to play uh, Super Smash Brothers, and I kind of showed it off for my Svelte talk. I have a tattoo of Captain Falcon who is my main on it. And it was like, those are like the conferences I was used to. And like the Smash community is great. Like everyone's very welcoming. But when you go to them, it's kind of like, oh, I got to prove myself, right? Like I got to play these games. (laughs) And it's like kind of what I love about fighting games is like that pressure, you know? Like it's very fun. It's very like exhilarating. But like that's, I was so nervous going into Svelte Summit. It's like, oh, I got to prove myself because that's like what I was used to. And one of the things, my cleaning robot just went off. <laughs> so one of the things I just like loved about the Svelte community at Svelte Summit was just how cool that community was, how welcome they were, because like that pressure just alleviated immediately. And I was like, oh, I've got to prove myself here. It's just fun to talk and like learn things. Yeah, well, Thanks. I mean, I only bring it up also because I think you just come with some inherent energy and enthusiasm that makes you come across really well when you speak. So I, I hope to encourage you to, to do it more often in this year, because uh, you're good. Oh, so. Dude, that means <laughs> yeah. so much coming from you. Thank you. You should definitely apply to more like broader conferences, I think, like JSConf, for example, or other. Yeah, other I mean, I'd like to try it out. It's like, well, I, I just love what I do, and I kind of just get caught up. And it's like, I usually, it's like, if I get an idea, I just do it. And like, I really loved Svelte. And I was like, I know a good talk for Svelte. And I just kind of like yeah. did it. I'm like kind of impulsive on that, but I definitely would like to try. It's just, I need that idea. I have the perfect conference for you. You're from Wisconsin. And we talked about it last week. That conference just opened up their CFP for their Wisconsin conference coming this summer. So 
that would be amazing for you. They also use felt on their homepage. So, well, on their site. Oh, felt perfect kit. fit. Yeah. I'll give it a look. And I have an in. So if you apply, let me know and I will talk to Clark. <laughs> <laughs> you, you could also do that same talk in, in other conferences because it's a bit like theater. Like, you know, it's fun seeing it recorded, but seeing it live is, is a whole different experience. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Doing it live was is crazy. I was so nervous. Yeah, I can imagine. <laughs> it was funny after the talk. Everyone was like, "Oh, weren't you nervous doing that?" I was like, "You didn't see me run laps back and forth. Like that's how I got the energy out." <laughs> yeah, it was great. It was great. Like everyone should should go watch it. But yeah, all right. So great. Uh, the topic I was I I wanted to discuss the uh, so there was a post on Reddit. The JavaScript subreddit about the View JS 2022 year in review, and like, there's a lot of discussion about the transition from View two to View three. And I don't know much about View, but it seemed like there was a lot of frustration um, because there are apparently a lot of different ways that you can do the same thing, and tutorials everywhere showing all the, these different ways of doing things. And I, I thought maybe. That's something that we can learn from as a community, and but and even as the maintainers of Svelte, like they should probably take a look at this and like mm -hmm. understand why the confusion is there and what to do and what not to do, and probably I'm not sure. Um, Was it similar to like going uh, from component object based to classes? That's the word I was looking for: classes yeah. to hooks and React. What was the change? Yeah, happened. maybe Bert, maybe you'd know more about this. Oh, than... Dude, it's been a while since I couldn't view. Yeah. <laughs> I always tell people, um, like, I'm like a fighting game solo main. Like, I just pick one framework and I stick with it. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I just remember my main frustration was like, all right, I taught my entire team view 2. We converted everything over to view 2. And now it's like you get, you're getting stuff. Oh, you can't use it unless you're using view 3. Oh, you can't use it unless you're using view 3. And like one of the things I value as a developer, especially as you get like more senior is like, if it works, like that's the most valuable thing, right? Like I know we all make things faster and better and stuff like that, but like changing something that works is an inherent risk. And like for yep. view two to view three, like having to update the whole code base again, that's so risky. And so like a lot of people are just trapped in view two, but then you're seeing these new toys that are view three and you're like, why'd they do so this? It just, it's a ton of frustration. There was right. no easy migration command. So that was something that SvelteKit provided when there was a big breaking change. They had a migration path that at least so helped that I think there was. I think there was like a little bit, but it wasn't like foolproof. Um, it's been a while, so yeah. sorry. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so uh, I, I just thought that like I read the thread and I... I, it kind of just felt like a lot of frustration from developers and, and mainly in... I think that the, the thing that stood out to me is there was a lot of people talking about, uh, I, I think I mentioned it already, but like you can do the same thing, but in like four different ways, which just confuses yep. people a lot. And you see one to like, especially for beginners, they, they see one tutorial showing one way of doing it. And then they see another tutorial showing it in the other, the second way, and then a third one in the third way. And then you've got this mix of all these different things that you kind of have to learn to understand new code bases and 
what, what works for your code base. The other basically. problem was that Nuxt wasn't supporting Vue 3 either. So they had no way to make like a full framework application uh, right. with it either. So Nuxt 2 was the only way yep. that they could like create an application framework. Yeah, that's interesting because maybe that, maybe it makes sense to always keep Svelte the, the major versions of Svelte and Svelte Kit in sync. So whenever Svelte 4 releases, you would release a- I think a, that's gonna happen too, because Svelte Kit's now the recommended way to create any kind of Svelte app. So I think yeah. that by default, they're gonna be kind of intertwined. Yeah. I guess we, we could ask our maintainer. We post. even supported V4 like a couple days after it was released, right? Yeah, Anthony, maybe you uh, you know something about this topic. I don't know. Uh, I'm not sure. I'm not sure I have any more information than you do right now, to be honest. Um, I, haven't been, gotcha. I haven't been following the discussion. I know the big thing with Vue 2 is like the main component library, Vuedify, was like, I think it literally just got to Vue 3 like a few months ago. And I know like that was like really popular. A lot of people Vue use that. And it's kind of just like, yeah, when you're stuck and all that's stuck in Vue 2, you just got to deal with it. Right. You can't upgrade, right? Because you're the 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 design library that you're using is is stuck on on version two, yeah, that makes sense. Well, it was just like a an interesting thread, I thought, and yeah. I think we can learn from it. And I I mean, this is just my yeah. kind of opinion too. Like I I don't like breaking changes. Like you should try to avoid them wherever possible. And I think it is possible to avoid them. I can't speak from making a framework standpoint, you know, but like just updating things like a little bit one at a time, you know, and getting people there, right? Instead of just updating all at once and being like, all right, all your stuff's old now and broken and you should feel bad. Like, I feel like that's a frustration, like a lot of like devs who aren't in kind of in this space feel. And I, I totally get it because I got the same thing. I was like, oh, I just converted my whole code base to Vue 2. And now like, Literally, like the second I'm done, it's old and crappy, and I can't, you know, like I have to upgrade. It's just frustrating. I did. Yeah. I think that breaking changes, you, you do end up making them because if you don't make them, then you, you end up with the with the the kind of the alternative, which is potentially worse, which is something mm -hmm. along the lines of you know create class and and class based uh, components in React mm -hmm. uh, or hooks and and the old the old way of doing things. I can't remember what that was, but you end up with two ways of doing the same thing, and and you end up with mixed documentation things are out of date, things yeah. that are still relevant that, you know, when I first came to React, I looked at how to start, you know, just doing it, which is, this is way back in the past. And there was so many different ways to do the same thing. And I didn't know which was the right one. I didn't want to start building something because it'd be out of date. And so at least having versions of saying, well, Vue 2 does this and Vue 3 does this and SvelteKit does That's this still and Svelte, a problem you know, does this. And it, yeah, well, exactly. Cause, cause they have to kind of maintain this, this never ending backwards compatibility. And yeah. There's other places where that's done, such as Java. Java have maintained the, the endless backward compatibility, and it just makes it makes life hard as you know having benefits and, mm -hmm. and disadvantages. But it makes life for me harder, and I'd rather people just major version thing. Yep. You can support it for a time, and then you have a breaking change, or you have no progress. So if you find an API that works better, and you do that breaking change, like you can give your users time to migrate over, and tell them that it's going to be deprecated and it's going to be going away in the future, but that this is yep. the path forward and it's better. Yeah. And it's mm -hmm. and it's a clear boundary. You say this is version three, this is version two, and it's very obvious which is the newer, which is the older. And that's what that blog post goes into is that Evan is looking to get on a more 
release schedule and to use Simvir and like do the correct yeah. like patching and versioning. I think one of the things too is just like getting the supporting libraries on board too. Cause I think, like I said, that was a lot of the frustration you brought up, Brittany is like, yeah, Nuxt wasn't view three yet. Viewdefy wasn't three yet. And they're just kind of like left out to dry on those. And I find like a lot of people find that frustrating too, where it's like, all right, like all these libraries that I've built my code around are just, you know, I can't update to the newest and greatest things. And it's, it's not something that we do particularly well either. Cause yeah. Uh, how many libraries do you use with Svelte? That's one of my things is like every other framework that I've used, you have to pull in all these other libraries. But with Svelte, I don't yeah. feel like I have that need to go out and reach for libraries. So a lot of times it's just like code that you have to go and update, but not like other libraries yeah. and wait on them. Yeah, that's true. Well, I think I also think it's one of the good things about Svelte that would help you avoid this is that it's like a compiler, right? And I know like a lot of compilers they have like migration versions, right? That will be interoperable with the new version and the old version. So help people like convert over. It's like view, like with view three, it's like, that's just your code. If it doesn't work, it doesn't work. Whereas like Svelte, you kind of have more options do the compiler. I don't know if you do that, but that's how I've seen like other compilers do it. Yeah, that's true. Your compiler version will always work with it. Isn't view three a compiled based language now? Didn't so, they make that switch? So, some Some parts of it. Some parts of it, yeah. Yeah. I think it's the template that is compiled, and then okay. the, the rest is not. I, mm. I, I'm not a view expert, so I wouldn't know. I have no idea. Oh. <laughs> That's what I read in the thread. I just least, saw someone so. tweeting about it the other day. All right. Yeah, there's, there was, there's a blog post on it on the, on the, on the, on the view site, I think, that, that talks about it. But it, it is, it's just one, one part of it. And I think, yeah, like you write it, it's the compiler. It's the markup so with templating, I think. basically. Yeah. 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 Cool. So that's that's the the topic discussed. We're uh, we're uh, we're getting into the the end of the end of the show, but where we have two excellent and fun sections. We're we're starting off with unpopular opinions. Do you guys have any? All right. I I know people talk about this on the show a lot, but uh, tailwind. <laughs> I know Evan brings it up, but I'm going I'm to be a little bit more unique with it. So lately, and this is probably like the intended way you code styles in Svelte, but lately I have been like not using any custom classes at all in Svelte or like very rarely. I'll just use the semantic HTML yeah. and then also use like select by the ARIA label. And the, my coworkers have been like, this is kind of weird, but I like it. And it kind of brings in what I liked about Tailwind and to like actual CSS. And so I know this is like a little bit of like, yeah, this is how you should code Svelte, but my coworkers think it's weird. And, but I've been like loving it lately. So like one of my examples is for, I think it was like a Twitter thread there talk about like how you style an active link. And I was like, oh, you could just select 80, you know, anchor tag, aria current equals page, right? And that could yeah. be your selector. And you know, everyone's like, oh, that's kind of cool. Like you could do that. And I was like, I've been loving it lately. Cause it's like now people, when they see the CSS, they know immediately what that code's doing, what it's checking for, yeah. right? You don't use Tailwind at all. You're, you're using like a Tailwind-like philosophy. So one of the things I like about Tailwind is, so my opinion is, you know, most people are not good at coding CSS and the people who are good at coding TS CSS have different opinions, <laughs> you know? And so like one of my frustrations is when I come into a new project, I'm looking at the CSS, 
I have to like constantly reference the style sheets and be like, oh, what is this? Like mm-hmm. people have different naming philosophies. And to me, that's what I really love about Tailwind is like, you can just look at it and be like, yeah, it's ugly, but I know immediately what you're doing, what you're trying to get done. Like what's, you know, and if there's a problem, I can immediately see it and fix it. And I totally get like the, oh yeah, it's really ugly. Oh yeah. You're like utility classes are huge. And so what I like about this kind of approach is felt where it's like, you know, if you have anchor tag, aria current equals page, everyone knows like that's the active link, right? Like you just know more of this like custom class naming where we have to figure out, you know, what everyone calls something or you don't have to teach like a philosophy like BEM or something like that. It's yep. just pretty built into the styling. It's semantic and makes sense. It's opinionated. It's what yeah, you like it. about the Tailwind version. So it's a good opinionated baseline that keeps everybody kind of on the same page with styling where yep. if if you have multiple people working on a code base, like it could get out of hand with like creating custom classes. And like, like you said, you'd have to cross. That was something I was going to bring up when we were talking about the CLI is when are we going to get like some CSS things in there? Like, are they going to add tailwind or like SAS options where we could just like have those integrated immediately with the CLI? Yeah. I I don't know. Like they, they, they seem pretty interested in keeping it separate. There's the, there's the Svelte Svelte ad. ad. Yeah. Yeah. That does most of that stuff, but it's something you have to know about. That one is not updated. Well, it wasn't as of the last time I tried to use it for Tailwind. You have to make a couple of changes afterwards. Right. Yeah. Maybe that's worth bringing in into the CLI somehow. I don't know, but but like the there's a there's a downside to to growing the CLI infinitely as well, right? You have yep. to you have to yeah. keep keep the the configs up to date all the time, and things break, new versions are released. I don't know. But and I will say, I, I think Svelte's like the easiest thing to add Tailwind to. It's stupid easy. You just literally run that Svelte adder and it goes on and it's it's great. Yeah. There's also a big resistance to adding loads and loads of flags to the CLI and, and things yep. like that because it, it does increase the kind of very quick setup time. It, it does ask lots of questions that are probably irrelevant for 90% of people. And I mm-hmm. think that it, it's fair to say that we, we avoided configuration for a long time for the same reason, that, that happy default should be the best and then you're on your own. Um, you know, we've we've kind of changed the plan on that a little bit because we found the community building all sorts of different configs that looked similar but operated di- differently, and we thought it was better if we had like a standard format. And 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 V kind of helped us get that because it's essentially a V config with a Svelte plugin config. But it, it's these decisions that you know, if we start making sort of adding Tailwind and stuff native, we're we're almost kind of blessing Tailwind and saying, hey, this is this is a great framework. You should use it and you know, no one's ever going to fully completely agree on that, for example. But I was saying to give options, like we give TypeScript or JS doc. So like you could do multiple options there, but it it doesn't you, matter. You could, but then you're blessing, you're blessing all those options, right? And there might be other yeah. options that you're not, you know, that you're not not blessing. It's just that they're not blessed because they're not in the CLI. So it's, it's always a toss up of, are we like effectively recommending something and, and, and we don't necessarily recommend anything? You know, I felt uh, sorry, Rich. Rich, I just said felt thinking Rich, but Rich would would have uh, would have you do everything raw, like because it, it is often you know easy when you you may not need all these things that you add in, and you just kind of it's become the default. And I think that the moment you start adding all these options in, it's like, well, you know, felt saying we should use this and this and this, and it's just you know you it's a, it's a, it's a very hard path to, to come out of again. 
And I'll, I'll agree with Anthony there, because I think one of my noob traps was using Tailwind with Svelte, because my component library, the first time I built a Tailwind, and like I said, we got to this project where we're like, all right, we want to encapsulate everything in web components. With Tailwind, you can't do that, because it's all like a global CSS. And so like what I've started to really love about Svelte is like, you just have a component that's like completely encapsulated, like carries like all its styles. And one thing I really started to love about it is like, I had to convert from Tailwind and I, I put up a tweet about it where I was just running it. I was putting in the post CSS with the utility classes from, uh, from uh, Tailwind and I was running it through Svelte pre-process and it would just give me a clean CSS file that I could like start with to migrate it over and it, but oh, it looks nice. so ugly, <laughs> but I don't know. It's such like a cool thing. And it's like, that's one thing I really like appreciate doing that is like Svelte, you, you can write it in like something that people don't agree with, right? Like, you know, I know there's a lot of contention over Tailwind, but you could just have it compile and give it to someone as like pure, you know, JS, CSS. They don't need to know what you did before. <laughs> yep. All right. Cool. Brittany. Oh, yeah. So we were talking about Ryan Florence earlier and mentioned Remix. And I this will lead a little bit into my pick, but my pick is the Bytes newsletter. And in the newsletter this week, they're doing their 2023 picks. And it says Remix will go all in on web components. And I have a feeling this is because Shopify bought Remix and they're working with hydrogen now and hydrogen does a lot with web components. And I'm assuming that's why they picked this. And I'm like, I don't think that's going to happen maybe not an unpopular opinion or relevant to this episode, but <laughs> we did talk about Remix and web components quite a bit. So I don't think that that's going to happen. They did go framework agnostic where uh, you can use React Router in other frameworks now and React Router is Remix now and it's kind of interesting, but... Oh, maybe I have any of you tried it with Svelte? Is it possible? Like, I, I haven't even... Uh, that's what Austin's talk was at Svelte Summit. So he created the oh, Svelte... Vmix. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like if, if Remix is... Right. I'm just saying I haven't tried it yet. I did try Svmix and um, it was only client-side rendered when I tried it. So I I didn't end up using it because it didn't have like the full capabilities of SvelteKit or Remix because Remix is fully server-side rendered. Um, that's the only option you yeah. have in it. So, so I, I think Svmix is actually a, a separate project. That's he was fight. his name of his talk was like it was like different names that he could possibly name this thing, and it's like Svelte and Remix bunched together. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, but Svmix is actually a project someone made to do that. Like oh, really? Rebuild Remix, but using SvelteKit, I think. So they they are different. I haven't seen this one. Svmix.com. Oh, oh. Seriously, the full stack addition to SvelteKit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what? <laughs> okay. <laughs> Interesting. It seems to be updated five months ago. I'll have to look. Yeah. So five months ago, that yeah. seems like a long time in open source world. Yeah, it's it's before the the routing changes. I think. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Anyway. Yeah. Go ahead. Sorry. You, you, maybe you 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 were my, your opinion was that. My opinion components. is just that I don't think that they will go. I think that actually them working with hydrogen will bring more of the remix stuff to hydrogen, not the other way around. Right. Yep. Makes sense. And I, I guess that it 
could be because they're trying to do this use the platform thing and do more web standards, but web components, just the API in general is awful to work with. It's hard. And do they, I don't think do they it's have server side yet. rendering. Um, well, Remix for, is only server so. side rendered. Okay. Well, that's interesting. Cause that to me, I use web components quite a bit and that's one thing I like about Svelte is you can just compile them to web components and they work pretty well, but like the ser no server side rendering, that's kind of the big sticking point. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's, 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 isn't that like one of the biggest, uh, downsides that it's not easy to server side render. Yeah. Maybe, maybe it is. Maybe there's a framework out there that doesn't. I know there's a few, but I haven't really tried them. Hmm. Uh, lit is one of them. Yeah. I yeah. Lit. But I, I feel like lit is probably more, more of a way to write web components, but it's, mm -hmm. I, I think the, the meta framework needs to be built okay. in a way yeah. to, uh, to handle server-side rendering of web components. Yeah. Yeah, the only way I right guess. now is like some kind of, um, you know, offline offline rendering, offline DOM, which is obviously not, not great. Oh, I see. Right. Well, cool. Web components, exciting topic. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I, I will say that's one thing I really like about Svelte is like, like, you know, here at Ashy, like we're kind of trapped is like, we have all these like global styles that are like, infecting everything and we need to find some way where we could get Svelte on the page without affecting everything else and Svelte's been awesome at that you can just turn on the web component compiler and it just works so you can put it in there and then what I love about Svelte being a compiler is like once you're done with that or if you have another project where you want to use those components you can use them and you basically effectively have one component that kind of works everywhere yep that's awesome you might be the biggest user of the web components thing. Because uh, I know that Rich doesn't actually use it very much. <laughs> I mean, it's like, I think it's one of my, my strong points on Svelte is like it works anywhere JS works, right? Like other components, you need to <laughs> load a huge library and that like only work, you know, like if you have that library loaded or it's like Node.js, like yep. I love that about Svelte is like you get this self-contained little package and you can be like, oh, I have a weird use case because I'm converting a huge site over. Could I compile it to web components? Like, sure. <laughs> yep. Mm -hmm. Very good. Um, all right, last uh, opinion. Last opinion, Anthony. I guess. Yeah, I guess I'll make this one quick, but effectively, I think Elon Musk was right for one of the first times in his life. He said that bookmarks in Twitter are really badly implemented. Um, and I agree because I use them quite a lot. People post interesting stuff on Twitter and I bookmark it and I just never look at it again because it's so hidden away. Even even the way to share it, I forgot the first few times I started using it because you kind of share it and then you click bookmark and it's kind of hidden under an icon. An icon. Um, and I found the same thing on Reddit because I added it. I didn't even realize it had like a save thing. I clicked save and I couldn't find it for ages afterwards. I had to Google how to find the bookmarks thing on Reddit. Whereas actually, <laughs> you know, the, the front page is wonderful. But what I want to see is a list of things that I've seen before and gone, yeah, that's really good. I want to go back and read those. And it should be really prominent and, you know, right there. It's actually buried under profile under a tab. So I think the bookmarks are wonderful. You know, Twitter and Reddit being examples, I'm sure there's more. Um, Pocket yeah. is what I've used before. Pocket was quite good at that kind of stuff, and that was quite accessible. But they're just really badly implemented everywhere, and I think that it's a, it's a real, a really useful feature. It's like your own curated feed of things that are guaranteed to be interesting to you. YouTube, 
a watch later playlist that I use quite a bit. And in the recent redesign, they de-emphasized it so that I had trouble finding it. And <laughs> I think this is somewhat on purpose. So the dystopian reason for making bookmarks intentionally bad is because no one actually uses it. You use it Just because you're abnormal. Um, most <laughs> yeah. people, it's a wish list that people never get to, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. You're, it's, it's, it's what you want to be rather than what you actually are. And YouTube being YouTube, any, any of these social media companies, they want to feed you what you actually end up watching instead of what you want to watch. Yeah, that's, that's fair enough. Yeah. They want to direct you in a certain direction rather than, uh, where you want to go. Yeah. It's, it's, it's kind of like, I was, I was laughing, laughing there while you were talking, when you said the, that you couldn't find the bookmarks at, on Reddit. It's just like, that's, that's ridiculous that it's that hard to find the bookmarks. But yeah, it, if, if they intentionally hide it, of course. The whole Reddit UI is very That's confusing so for yeah. me, especially Absolutely. being an Android user. There's lots of different apps that you can download for it. And so each app looks different. And depending on which one you're using, it is so confusing. I barely use Reddit because the app oh, is yeah. not standard. Yeah, I, I, I would recommend so using... So first you got to get iPhone. Yeah. Uh, no. <laughs> get an iPhone and then get Apollo. Which yeah. is the best Reddit app? <laughs> but it's, but it's like that, the official Reddit app. You say first, means... I have to buy an Apple product, then I'm done. I'm out. Well, so you can you the can still use Reddit. Use a third party app. Yeah, yeah. That's I mean, a should, problem. Should yeah. yeah. Why does Reddit not, it's not have a good standard app for both operating systems? Yeah, they it's, they don't it's... have a good app and they don't have a good website. Like the Reddit is broken. You know. I I think the old Reddit website it's still fine. So if you if you replace yeah. www with old, you get this old interface that's actually usable and fast and doesn't lag up it, your computer. Why? I, yeah, why I don't, am I, I doing know. that? Like, why am I not using the de facto? Yeah, I, I wouldn't know. It's it's very very odd. Like, I have no idea what's going on at Reddit. I I'd love to talk to this someone. Is maybe, ugly. maybe we could. I yeah, just but, opened. Yeah, but it, it, it is, but it's very functional and practical. Like it's yeah. it's not full of like fluff and all of this other stuff that's on the new interface. It reminds me a little bit of hacker news. Like it's just old. Yes, story. exactly. Yeah. When I when I first discovered Reddit, I was quite an avid Dig user and, and Dig had a great interface and I thought Dig was really slick and neat and they changed it into some well, it kinda of lost popularity because Reddit was taking popularity and I looked at Reddit and thought, Well, this looks rubbish, so it must be rubbish. And I didn't use it for ages. Um, and then I eventually kind of realized it. I was like, okay, this interface is rubbish, but it's quite nice to use. But the problem is then it's like dig, dig disappeared and became some kind of nonsense that no one uses. Um, and I was stuck with Reddit and I was like, okay, well, this is pretty good because I can use it. And then they did their redesign. And then, though you can access the old one, I was like, this is going in the wrong direction. They've now, they've now made this really bad and I, I can't use it. Yep. So, um, I just, I use Reddit less and less as a result now. All right. I think uh, that's all of our unpopular opinions. I don't have one. Sean, you don't, you don't have one either? Nope. All right. Uh, picks then. I can go first. I have two picks. One is Svelte French Toast. It sounds as exciting as it is. It's a, a super small like uh, toast library oh. for notifications and stuff. And it supports uh, promises, custom styling and all sorts of fun stuff. Uh, it's great. 
thought I... this was like a local breakfast shop you had. <laughs> yeah, that's called Svelte French Toast. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. Svelte is a word that's used in English yeah. language. Yeah, it's just like the, the problem is that here in Sweden, like the way you pronounce Svelte means pretty much uh, famine. So it's, it's, uh, it's oh, it wouldn't work. Yeah, that yeah. does not yeah. work. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, uh, Svelte French Toast. It's great. It's super easy. Like I, I have out. a pretty good pick. Um, it's yep. actually a video game, if I can pick it for you. So this will kind of explain a lot of my visual style because it's one of my biggest inspirations. If you haven't played the game Hypnospace Outlaw and you're a web developer, you got to play it now. I don't know if you guys have heard about it, but nope. basically the plot is you're a moderator on the 90s internet. And it's like an interactive like story where you're like browsing through these old like crappy web pages and it's so much fun. Like you have to like ban people and stuff like that. And then people will make like pages reacting to your ban, like calling you out. It's it's so cool. And like I highly encourage everyone as a web dev to play it. It is such an awesome game and it's it's sick. Do you get like a <laughs> That is great, uh, Rick. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Do you do do you get a an extra like good understanding of what it takes to be a moderator online. Oh yeah. Playing well, this. Yeah. <laughs> it's so fun. Like the first quest is my favorite. Cause you're like, it's like, Oh, people are using this copyright character, Guptail Gooper. Right. And you need to yep. ban the people using them. And so you go to like a kindergartner teacher's website and she has like pictures her kids drew of them. <laughs> and you just go like, you're like, I wonder if I can. And then you hit ban on it. It's like banned. <laughs> and then like, it goes to the next day and she's like, this moderator banned me from my kindergarten pictures. <laughs> like it's, it's such like a delight. It's so fun to play. And it's, it's so cool. There's like, what I love about it is like, you'll find like hidden pages of like really cool stuff on it. it it's such a cool game. I highly recommend everyone play it. I'm going to, I'm going to buy it. Uh, yeah. It look, yeah. It looks really good on, on uh, steam. Yep. Yeah. Uh, um, am I next? Okay. Uh, um, yep. I'll do a quick one. Um, I every year I do a podcast roundup. I listen to a fair amount of podcasts. Uh, I've done it for three years, and and this uh, 2022 was, was my fourth year. So I put it in there if you want my recommendations. Any so I picked, stand? I picked a bunch of standouts. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So any any particular ones that you? Uh, pro probably like. I mean, the, the, the biggest podcast that kind of appeared on this scene last year was uh, the Founders Podcast by David Senra, basically reading a bunch of biographies by famous founders and then picking through lessons from them. Um, I think there are a lot of people who study success, but not as well as he does and not as enthusiastically uh, storytelling. And I, I think it it helps because I would never read those biographies on my own, but this guy basically just goes through and he's extremely passionate about biographies. So yeah, why not? Such an interesting <laughs> I, I like, thing I like kind of learning from, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and he's, and he blew up like a lot recently. So um, I, I think he's one of the, he went from like a complete, like no one ever heard of him to one of the biggest podcasts in the U S uh, last year. Oh, wow. Um, for those more technical minded, you might like the Invent Like an Owner podcast, where uh, it is an oral history of the early days of Amazon by the people who were there. Uh, so th they have interviews with the, the people who created the Amazon uh, recommendation system. Uh, they, they have interviews with, who, with people who created Amazon catalog, like how do you, how do you expand from books to DVDs to everything else? 
Um, so yeah, I, I just really enjoy these kinds of stories. Brittany? Yeah, so I talked a little bit about mine already, but UI.dev has a newsletter that they send out. I think it's weekly. It's called Bytes, B-Y-T-E-S, newsletter. And I always enjoy reading it. It's got fun memes and graphics in there and usually has relevant information. And they just did their 2023 picks, but I really enjoy reading that one. Um, and going off of Bert's pick about like gaming things that are like good for programmers this little game called danger crew that was actually built with react i believe which is interesting um but uh it's a retro style rpg and programmers like kind of like pokemon you battle each other with your laptops and so it's programmer styled like adventure game it's really cool that's so cool i'm definitely have to check that out (laughs) yeah i'm gonna try it out as well it looks familiar. It looks like a. I used to. I used to do, use a tool called uh, Habit RPG. It has mm-hmm. the same kind of pixeled art style. Habit RPG was basically just like a a way to make you do get better at doing yeah. habits, but I just think like I've gamifying used that before it. Too. And the game is like five dollars right now. I think it's ten dollars normally, but it's fifty percent off right now. So Ooh, pretty cheap. Nice, nice. All right, wow, Anthony. Uh, yeah, okay, so um, in America in the 90s or something, uh, when the G.I. Joe cartoons were around, the G.I. The G. Joe like uh, series was around on, on TV, animated, animated drawn series, I think it was. I, obviously, I'm not an American, not from America, and I never saw this on TV, but um, I'm aware of it because of the, um, the PSAs that were made. Um, so they used, they used kind of the, the G.I. Joe characters to make these public service announcements little short clips a few seconds long about you know don't walk off with strangers and, and, and don't play in the road and all that kind of stuff so the kids would learn not to like do silly stuff right and then someone of course because it's the internet went and redubbed those with like really really weird like bizarre stuff just and they were hilarious when i was at you know when i was in when when i was like probably late teen i found it hilarious and it cracked me up and um there's one particular one called uh, i'm a computer where the guy for some bizarre reason, declares that he's a computer and starts talking to people, saying "Stop all the downloading," all this kind of weird stuff, and it was just hilarious. But um, hey kid, I'm a computer. <laughs> that's exactly it. That's, that's a pretty good impression as well, in fact. So you should watch these. But um, my brother, um, in all in all his wisdom, managed to find this, which you can't see, so I have to describe it. But they actually made real GI Joe models of the characters from these um, from oh these PSAs. God. That's which so is, awesome. Which is super cool. I'm not sure whether I should keep it in the box or get it out or whatever. There's a lot of mm. mics might be here. But yeah, it's, it's so cool. It's got the dog and everything. Yeah, I'm literally going to order that like tonight. That's like my favorite video <laughs> on YouTube. It's just, it's like, uh, that's very random. Uh, the camera's not good. It says, and knowing is half the battle. <laughs> so this is the Mutt one, but there's obviously a bunch of other ones in this collection. So these are awesome. So I got this for Christmas present. I think it's great. I think like, I'm not really an action figure kind of guy, but these are worth having for sure. <laughs> and that's my pick. Nice. I have uh, another pick. Um, so one, one last one. It's uh, it's Noster. It's a, uh, it's an alternative to Twitter and Telegram and all sorts of stuff. It's a, it's a actually a protocol for, for decentralizing communications basically. So it stands for notes and other stuff transmitted by relays. So uh, we've talked a bit about Mastodon lately, and uh, this is another competitor, I, I guess you would say. And it, it's it's very simple. You just create a key pair, like a 
private public key pair and your private key is what you use to post stuff and your public key is what people use to follow you basically very very easy very nice can recommend it i did and up, also I didn't for, fully understand it yeah you so yeah. so you don't sign up anywhere you just create a, a key pair and you use an application that's it um what kind of application like how do you follow people and read their stuff yeah so so there, there. You can you can uh, connect to a bunch of relays that will relay messages to other users, and but you can basically make any kind of application. People have made uh, Telegram clones or Twitter clones, and like, is all so of that aggregated anywhere, or you're just responsible for aggregating it? So the way it works is, I think it's ephemeral to a point. Uh, so. Like messages won't be stored forever, for example. Mm, um, yeah. Depends on the relay. So the relay you connect to has decides how much they want to save and what messages they okay. want to relay. It's it's a very interesting and nice idea, and it's much simpler than Mastodon, in my opinion. But yeah, and it for some reason, uh, Jack from like uh, Jack Dorsey, yeah, uh, got into it, so it got a huge upswing, and then Elon Musk. Tweet or was it Twitter tweeted something about like other social media platforms being banned and Noster was on there for some reason. Yeah. It has like two thousand users or something. I don't know. It's <laughs> tiny. So I don't know. It's it's a it's a cool it's a cool it protocol. It's like the best it's the best advertising ever for that twi for Twitter yeah. tweets about don't mention these competitors <laughs> by just mentioning them all. Um yeah, I think Jack Dorsey said something like Noster is the only is the only viable competitor to Twitter or something like that? That's what he's saying. Yeah. And he's he's actually I'm, so I'm following him on there, and he's actually very active. Like he posts a lot, and he replies to like random people and stuff. So, and it, he he said on there, it's it feels like Twitter in the early days. I was on on Twitter in the early days. I don't know what that means, but that sounds good, I guess. Well, they were like they're like regular days, but like early. Yeah, I don't know. Well, so. That's that's everything I think. Thank you for joining us, Bert. Dude, thank you so much for having me, guys. You guys are awesome. <laughs> thank, thank you. I want everyone who listens to the podcast to know that these guys are as cool in real life as they sound on the show. <laughs> <laughs> and so are you. So <laughs> thank you. <laughs> yeah, hopefully we can all uh, see each other next next year. This year that'd be awesome. It's a new year, so this year at some point that's felt summit. This, yeah, I look forward to it. Yes. Yeah. All right. Awesome. And with that, uh, I think we are done for the day. Uh, we'll see you all next week. And uh, yeah, same bad time, same bad. <laughs> what's it? What's same, same bad time, same bad. Uh, I don't remember the, the, the thing. Anyway, goodbye, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> Later. Bye. Thank you, Ben. Thank you, everyone. Hey, it's Kevin here. If you like the show, please drop a review on your favorite podcast player. It would help out a lot. Thanks.